The blessings that flow into your life when you give back to God are well documented in Scripture. For example, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Or how about this? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And Jesus said, give and you will receive. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Giving is as much an act of worship as anything else. Are you a generous giver? You never will be unless you are first a content worshiper. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Do you want to be a true worshiper? Learn to be a content worshiper. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. And you may have heard of the prayer of Jabez, but tucked away in Proverbs chapter 30 is a lesser known prayer, the prayer of a content worshiper named Agar. Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, True Worship. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Proverbs chapter 30, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Content Worshipper. It is becoming a growing practice in uh, churches like ours to no longer pass the offering plate. Now, before you break out in rupturous applause, before some of you say, Pastor, it's about time. I'm tired of the church getting after my money. I get it. I understand the pushback. I understand there have been some abuses maybe in some places in the body of Christ where some have gone to an extreme, and I, I, I get all of that. But let me tell you why my heart is grieved by this growing practice in churches like ours. And it's simply this that giving back to God is as much an act of worship as anything else we do. Let me say that again. Giving back to God is as much an act of worship as anything else we do. We're in this series of messages called True Worship, and we started a few weeks ago at the base of Mount Sinai where Moses brought down the Ten Commandments. And we didn't look at all ten, but we looked at the, the two commandments of worship, the first two. And then we talked about uh, true worshipers from John chapter 4. We talked about the transformed worshiper, Romans chapter 12. Uh, last time we were together, we talked about what? Do you remember? What's that? The ruined worshiper. That's right. The ruined worshiper in Isaiah chapter 6. But today I want to talk to you about the content worshiper. It's my contention that we'll never be true worshipers as long as things and material possessions clutter up our heart more than God does. You see, Jesus made money and the things that money can buy the heart of the matter when he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And a couple verses later in Matthew chapter 6, right there in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you can't serve God and money. If I could just paraphrase it, you can't be a true worshiper 
As long as you're worshiping money and the things that money can buy. Now, I understand we live in a digital age and um, we're moving toward almost a cashless society. And that's why some churches have no longer, you know, passed the offering plate in the worship service because most of their people are now giving digitally and online. And we have many, many ways that we uh, encourage people to give, um, not just the offering plate, but we have offering boxes and we have online giving. We have an app. You can mail it in, you know, all those kinds of ways. We want to make it as convenient as possible. And maybe there will come a time where the vast majority of people are using digital options and we do things a little bit differently in a worship service, but we'll never, we'll never take out that moment where we're reminded that when we give back to God, it's an act of worship. It's a sacred trust. And it's a reminder that God owns it all and we are but stewards. It's a reminder that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. It's a reminder that God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. And it's an important thing to remember that, <clears throat> yes, the blessings that flow into your life when you give back to God as an act of worship those blessings are well documented in the Scripture. Now, I understand the excesses. I understand the abuses. I understand colleagues of mine, so-called preachers who devolve into a prosperity gospel, and, which is another gospel altogether. It's not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the get rich quick or the get rich by giving to God kind of gospel. I reject that wholeheartedly. But you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't want to ignore the Scripture's well-documentation about the blessing that flows into our lives when we give back to God as an act of worship. I call this biblical economics. And God, God operates on a completely different economic system. For example, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, "'Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce.'" Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, you probably don't have uh, uh, fruits and you're maybe not a farmer. This was an agrarian society that the writer of Proverbs was writing to, but you can easily make that transition. You honor the Lord with your wealth by putting Him first in your finances. If you're a farmer, that means the first cut of the harvest, the first of your produce was given to God as an act of worship, as a way of honoring Him. And if you honor God, guess what? He honors you in return. Then, only then, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 is another one of those places where the blessings that flow into our life when we give back to God are well documented. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What an amazing thing that God says here. It's as though He's putting His, His own character on the line here. He says, if you don't trust me enough with your finances to, to bring a tithe, a tenth of your income uh, to me, I say as a starting point in our giving, if you don't trust me, then put me to the test. It's the only place in Scripture where God Almighty says, test me, and just see if I won't open up the windows of heaven 
and pour out a blessing to you that you, you won't even be able to contain it. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And, and, and we can hardly imagine in our, our own minds the blessings that God has for us. It's not just a financial blessing, but that's part of it. He'll, he'll, he'll never leave you out in the cold because you honored Him first. He'll always take care of you. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, listen to this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The New Living Translation smooths out that last line a little bit and says it this way, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, these are the words of Jesus. And this could apply to your time, to your talent, and to your treasure. Give, and it shall be given to you. Let me just talk about it in the area of time a little bit, some things that I've experienced over the years. I budget 20 hours a week for sermon preparation. My staff knows that. The elders know that. You look on my calendar, 20 hours a week throughout the week is budgeted to be before the Lord to prepare for Sunday morning. Do I always need that much time? No, but it's budgeted. And I don't let much of anything creep into that time. I schedule around it. But every once in a while, some things that are justifiably you know, there to, that would creep into that time, do so. And I get down to the end of the week, and I don't have 20 hours to prepare. But these other things that crept in, uh, emergencies or whatever they might be, um, I, ha I have found the Lord multiplying my time when I gave time to these things that were really, you know, emergencies and needed to be attended to. And what would normally take me 15 to 20 hours to put together, He whips together in three to four hours. I've seen him multiply that. It's not the norm. It's not the way I always want to prepare. I, I, I don't want to be, you know, the pastor who's preparing the Saturday night specials, you know, that you don't start preparing until Saturday night. No, I don't want to do that and presume upon the Lord. But in those times when I've had to give my time in a different direction, the Lord multiplies it. I've seen it happen throughout my ministry. He does that in the area of your finances too. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and, and, and running over. It's an amazing promise. Um, it's called the law of reciprocity or the principle of reciprocity. And the Apostle Paul echoes this idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 when he says, the point is this, he's summarizing chapters 8 and 9. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I did my doctoral research on financial stewardship in the local church. It's been a passion of mine for years. Um, the idea of putting God first in our finances and, and all of that. I did my undergraduate degree in financial planning, so it was natural for me to kind of uh, move in this direction. But I spent a lot of time in my doctoral research in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 because it's the largest section of Scripture in the New Testament given to financial stewardship and giving. And what Paul is doing and what he's addressing to the Corinthian church at that time is, is, is an offering for the poor that he was uh, collecting for the poor in Jerusalem. And he was going around to all the churches that he had planted, including the church in Corinth, and saying, I, I want you to give to this. 
And he uses as a motivation an example among the Macedonian churches who he said were poor. They didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they were the first to participate in this offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And they gave generously and willingly and cheerfully. And Paul comes to the Corinthians and says, you need to follow their example. And toward the end of his uh, dissertation there, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously reaps generously. He uses a farming analogy here. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Remember, you can always listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org and look for Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. The second half of today's message, The Content Worshipper, is coming right up. Stay with us to learn what a content worshiper looks like. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Imagine, if you will, the farmer who has bags of seed in his barn. And he says, you know, I don't know that I want to toss it out there in the field. Maybe I'll just use half a, half a bag here. And he just scatters a little seed here and a little seed there because he's afraid to give away too much of his seed. Well, what kind of harvest do you think he's going to expect when harvest time comes? Paul says, in the context of a financial discussion about our giving, he uses this farming analogy to say, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, whoever sows generously reaps generously. Now, that's not Wall Street economics. Nobody on Wall Street will tell you, give it away and it'll come back to you, you know? Now, that's biblical economics. There's an old limerick that says, there once was a man, some thought him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. And it's true. It's, it's true when it comes to biblical economics. Could somebody look inside the worshiper's heart that you have and inside your financial life and say, you are the craziest person in the world to give that much money away to the Lord? Is that, is that even possible? Well, there once was a man... Some thought him mad. The more he gave, the more he had, because he honored the Lord with his wealth. And I just go through that as a reminder, again, that the blessings that flow into your life and mine when we give back to God as an act of worship are well documented in Scripture. It's well documented in Scripture. And for that reason, we'll always have a time in our worship gatherings where we worship God in our giving. Now, what does that have to do with being true worshipers? Well, I really do believe that we'll never be true worshipers without being content worshipers, and we'll never be generous givers without being content worshipers. And that brings us back to Proverbs chapter 30 and verses 7 through 9, to a section of Scripture that was written by a little-known guy named Agur. And he is uh, responsible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for penning all 23 verses, actually 33 verses of Proverbs chapter 30. 
And in verses 7 through 9, we have a prayer, the prayer of Agur. Now, some of you have heard of the prayer of Jabez. How many of you heard of the prayer of Jabez, right? Wonderful prayer. Just a few words, a few sentences tucked away in uh, the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, I believe. Um, I, I doubt that many of you know the prayer of Agur. And I doubt that any book written about the prayer of Agur is going to become a bestseller. But here's what Agur says beginning in verse 7. And by the way, this is the only prayer recorded in the book of Proverbs. He says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. To me, Agur is a content worshiper. Wherever he learned the spiritual discipline of contentment, he's learned it here. He's praying for it. And and do do you hear the passion in his voice at the beginning there? Two things I ask of you, Lord. Two things. He's boiled it down to two things he wants from the Lord. And Lord, you got to do this before I die. I mean, this is a life or death kind of thing for him. He prays for two things. First, he prays for integrity. He says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. You ever feel like praying a prayer like that in the world in which we live that is so full of sometimes blatant lies from politicians or leaders or others in our country or maybe, you know, in your personal interactions with people who look you straight in the eye and tell a bold-faced lie, the lies, the deceptions, uh, even the falsities that come from uh, the advertising world of Madison Avenue that is always trying to trick you into buying something or trading something or getting a new this or a new that promising things that they cannot deliver, over-promising and under-delivering. I I don't know exactly what kind of lies that Agur had enough of in his world, but, you know, he's just saying, Lord, keep me far from that. I want to build my life on the foundation of integrity, including financial integrity, because he quickly moves into the financial realm of his life by saying, give me neither poverty nor riches but he's looking for some financial integrity, let's say. Uh, But secondly, he says, or he prays not just for integrity, but he also prays for contentment. Let's go back and see it again. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, who prays that way? I mean, honestly, I mean, (laughs) in the quietness of your own heart, don't you want a little bit more? But, but Agur seems to have drawn a line in his life, and he's willing to say, you know, enough is enough. Where is that line for you? Where enough is enough. Oh, you can sit down with a financial planner, and you can plan out your future, and you can run all kinds of scenarios, and that's an important thing to do. We could go into the pages of Scripture and, and talk about how important it is to plan for your future and Even Joseph saw seven years of famine coming and had seven years of storing up and all of those kinds of principles in Scripture. But but when is enough enough? How much do you really need to feel secure? 
That's really what it's all about. Or to feel better than your neighbors. Or to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or the Browns. Uh, Agur says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, but give me only my daily bread. I I mean, really what he's asking for is a middle-class life, and he's fine with that. He didn't need anything more than that. He knows that there will always be people who have more, but he's not trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or the Browns or whoever it might be. Uh, There's a contentment in his heart. Didn't Jesus tell us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread? Hold your place here in Proverbs and turn with me to Psalm chapter 37, and the psalmist says these words in verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Here's the promise you can go to the bank on in Scripture. You put God first in your finances. You honor Him with your wealth. You give as an act of worship from a content heart. God will take care of you. Agar prayed for two things, integrity and contentment. All of us should pray so wisely. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, The Content Worshipper, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out our resource tab at the top of the homepage for books, teaching series, lots of great tools to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Almost everyone who goes with us to the Holy Land says it was one of the best decisions they've ever made. When you visit somethinggoodradio.org, look for Something Good Travel to learn more and to register for Experience Israel 2022, plus other upcoming Something Good travel experiences. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org. Share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support makes it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference, and when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, True Worship. That's True Worship. Request it today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757 757- 276 1099. 
Well, the Puritan writer Jeremy Burroughs said it this way. Listen to this. He says, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Sounds like a Puritan, doesn't it? And it sounds a little heady and a little intellectual. Uh, Maybe another one from uh, a guy named Bill Gothard helps. He says, contentment is realizing that God has already given me everything I need for my present happiness. That's pretty good. Contentment is realizing that God has already given me everything I need for my present happiness. Gothard goes on to say, contentment is understanding that if I'm not satisfied with what I have, I will never be satisfied with what I want. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Content Worshiper. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. So long and thanks for listening.